Hello and welcome to Jumpcast and a Happy New Year if you are listening to this in the uh, sphere of um, serialised time. When is the cutoff point for saying Happy New Year? Um, I said it to somebody on the second and that felt a bit weird. Right, I said it to me on the third and I felt like... Oh, this is jolly and revelrous. That's okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because it was just in passing. I thought like maybe it was just a bit strange. Well, the fifth is twelfth night, so if we're going to use that as a barometer, maybe. Yeah, that's actually good. Yeah, okay. Well, we can't say Happy New Year anymore because <laughs> this episode comes out on the seventh. Happy so. current year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm Alex, and joining me as always are my wonderful co-hosts, Charlotte. Ahoy. Ahoy. And Simon. Hello. I'm still saying Happy New Year. I don't care. Okay. Well, Happy New Year, Simon. Did you get up to anything nice over the past week? I did, you know. Um, I, well, I, I, I'm back in London. Um, got to go to Bristol for New Year's and uh, rung that in in the best way possible. No Zooms, no, um, no online chats or anything like that. Proper people in front of me sharing drinks and whoa, oh, it was great. And sharing a cup of kindness, it was it was fantastic. Um, otherwise, I've uh, been catching up on some TV. I watched, um, so I've been watching Queer Eye uh, because, mm-hmm. of course, of course, um, absolutely. It's just it's just great, isn't it? It's just great feel good telly. It is TV for the soul. Absolutely. And I've also been watching, I've recently finished, uh, Landscapers. Uh, it's like a mini-series. Oh, is that the thing with Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis? That's exactly it, yeah. I I really loved it. I thought it was, uh, it was an interesting take on true crime. It was kind of a little bit of a, 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 tr- a kind of a critique of the true crime documentary drama thing. Mm. And it was well done, actually. I thought it was very impressive. Cool. Uh, and Charlotte, how about you? Uh, I came back to London as well from missing my parents in Eastbourne. Uh, I have genuinely forgotten everything I've watched the past week. Aside from yesterday, I started watching Four Lives on BBC about the grinder killer. The man oh. who uh, murdered four young gay men that he met oh. through... Ah, um... uh, yes, I think... Stephen yeah. Merchant is horrific in, like, he's good being bad no that's too flippant he's really <laughs> horrible in this wow yeah very um i've even heard of this that sounds really interesting i think it just started yesterday and then all three episodes went on bbc iplayer um, yeah i think right. i know what you mean yeah it's i'm not sure how i feel about it just yet i've seen one and a half episodes but the police and their representation it's as damning as i think i've ever seen in a crime drama very they're, critical. Wow, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're blatant being shit at their job. Yeah. Yep. No, that, I might have to seek that out. That does sound really interesting. So I'll report back my feelings on the other half. Yes, one episode left. <laughs> when you've watched it, yeah. Well, as for me, I uh, stayed in my home in Bolton, which apparently is now the um uh. According to a poll, the sixth worst place to live in the country. <laughs> Congratulations! You <laughs> did it! Sixth worst like, 
I was like sixth. Why is it not first? <laughs> Top ten though, that's pretty so, good. No, it is. It's good going. It is really good going. Um, but to be fair, I live in a little off cut of Bolton. I don't actually live like in in Bolton, so I kind of dodged a bit of a bullet. Um, anyway, uh, New Year was pretty pretty muted. Watched a film that we're going to be talking about later on. Um, on New Year's Day, my grandparents came over as they always do. It's like a tradition now. Um, we got uh, some Chinese takeaway, and we watched Doctor Who. Oh yeah. Yeah, which was really good. I really enjoyed that episode, actually. feel like it's probably one of the best that Chibnall has written for his era. Um, it was good. It was really, really good. And actually, really he was allowed it. to be Irish in it. Yes, yes. Loved it, loved it. Um, and that's about it, really. Back, if, back to normal. Before we move on, I do have to ask, did anybody else watch that reunion show? Just to make sure that we're caught oh, up on the... Uh, that thing. Engagement. <laughs> I watched uh, up to the bit where it gets to the third and fourth installments. Okay. Charlotte, did you say you haven't watched it yet? I haven't yet. I have heard it's pretty free of the creator. Is that correct? Yeah, they pretty much distance... Yeah. Well, not completely, <laughs> but they do distance themselves, don't they, the scene? Okay. It's, they do, like, you know when someone's died, but they have, like, archive footage? <laughs> and they have, like, right. speaking in 2000 and whatever. They have that, but it's her speaking in 2019 for the tour, uh, the studio tour. And so okay. they just use bits of that. And it's kind of pettily hilarious every time it appears. Yeah. And do you know, I'm, I'd be intrigued to know uh, why certain uh, members of the cast didn't return, whether it was just due to like scheduling conflicts or whatever. I'd be really interesting to know because there was a few people who I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they haven't. They haven't come back. I mean, he's been dead for five years, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Six years. Six years. It's 2022. <laughs> I saw David, is it Thelwes? Th- David Thulis, yeah, yeah. Thulis put a really weird Instagram post about it, about why he wasn't in it. Oh. That I did not understand. Like, I got it was a joke, but I didn't get what the joke was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's not just me being stupid. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no. I thought that I, I, I really did think that Julie Walters would have gone back, but no. Isn't she, she really ill though? Oh, I don't know. Like her and Gambon are both have like health issues. Mm, I kind of understand stand Maggie Smith because she's basically a hundred or whatever now. I say she's like five thousand years old. Yeah, but but anyway, besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We digress. As always, um, you know, New Year same us kind of deal. Um, today is going to look a little bit different just because of the sheer amount of films that we have to talk about um, due to the fact that obviously last episode was a bit of a bit of a special, bit of a different episode. Um, so no news, no trailer talk. All we're going to be doing is talking about all of the films we've missed and all of the films that have come out uh, recently and in the new year. So... We may as well just jump right on into it and start off with uh, The Matrix Resurrections. Okay. Now, people who, those, those of you who listened last week, um, will know that this was my film of the year. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, after a week thinking about it, I just love it even more. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's a very different take 
on the Matrix, isn't it, really? Um, have you guys seen it now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to purposely cuz I was so raving about it last week. Step back. I want to hear what you guys think. Okay. Well, Charlotte, I'll let you take it away. God, I feel like I saw this ages ago now. But I can't I I saw it the day it came out. So 22nd. Um I came out of it feeling quite like a degree of apathy about it. I was like that was fine. And I kind of thought I'd forget about it. And then over the days afterwards i say three days like covid it had an incubation period where i suddenly was like actually that was really amazing what lana manages to do and how brave and quite audacious the film actually is by not being explicitly audacious that's a skill set that's a master there um i thought the performances were great i thought the new additions to the cast were phenomenal yaya in that yellow suit Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a grower for me. It wasn't an instant love, but I can see why it is for some people. Naming no names. <laughs> it could be a lot of names, so. Um, yeah. Really, some of them beginning with S. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I completely echo all of that. Um, I when when it was kind of like in the first act, I find myself like thinking to myself, um, I I don't know. It was, it was interesting because of all of kind of the, the self meta commentary, Mm. um, that was going on, uh, because it hadn't kind of been explained properly why it was happening. I just found myself eye rolling quite a lot and just kind of going, of course, Oh, it's just like the rest of them. Just because obviously we're in a market now where the reboot slash kind of legacy sequel um, idea is very saturated and there's a lot of stuff. And in the most part, they're all either terrible (laughs) or very middling and average. Um, But as the film went on and as obviously the information started to trickle in properly, um, what information we get, that is... um, I find myself loving it even more and more and more. Um, the performances are great. I particularly love Jessica Henwick as uh, Bugs. I thought mm. she was brilliant. Um, <clears throat> and I think that they're really nice, without going too deep into spoilers, they're really nice explanations for why certain characters aren't played by their original actors in the, this new film. Um, with particular reference to Morpheus and um Agent Smith. I thought that the way that that was done was really well was very well done. Um I thought the action was pretty good. I feel like what the film does the best is that it just gets that balance right between respecting and holding the original in a place where it deserves to be held while also offering uh just the right amount of new stuff to keep it fresh and entertaining. And I, I thought that that was done really well. So yeah, I, I loved it. I thought that it was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's great. I <laughs> just love hearing you guys talking about it. Um, and yeah, I, I I completely agree, obviously. Um, one more thing that I have been thinking about, and it's actually in relation <laughs> to something that I guess would have been film news if we were talking about film news. Um, with the fallout of 
uh, Spielberg's West Side Story not doing so great at the box office. So many people now are piping up saying, whatever happened to making art for art's sake? And I just kept wanting to be like, there's a big film out there right now which is saying exactly that. Why are you all ignoring it or saying it's rubbish? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they are literally exactly the same people who are like, yeah, The Matrix is rubbish. Ha <laughs> ha, it's not made any money at the box office. Ha 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 ha. It's just like, like, yeah. I think, weirdly, for all that is, you know, shaking up cinema and everything else at the moment, I think it is letting those risks kind of be taken on films where they don't have to worry about projections or cinema audience retention, that kind of thing, where they can just be like, cool, these people have made a film. Let's just put it out there. And obviously the bean counters are going to remain there and they shall remain nameless. Um, (laughs) Cough, Sony, cough, Marvel. But, you know, I think that it's, 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 been a bit of a relief especially in kind of the latter part of last year that there was a bit of a willingness to kind of say yeah go on and put your film out yeah and i think that it's just kind of disingenuous it's a disingenuous argument these days because the release of a film is a lot different to what it was pre-pandemic yeah it isn't as black and white as it used to be. It wasn't just release film in the cinema. I mean, it isn't now just release a film in the cinema and it'll do however it does. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, the I'm Matrix gonna, was... just going to say, it's another reminder that the highest grossing film isn't necessarily the best quality film. Ooh! Oh my God, burn! Oh, there's no way home from that point of view. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... That... <laughs> but yeah, no, I I did really love it, and um, yeah, good. Hmm. Am I right in thinking she was told they were going to make it with or without her? That's why she stuck with it. I think so. Yeah, potentially. Just, but like you said, Alex, by the time the film finishes and you see all of that, you're like, oh wow, yeah, that was bold. Yeah, there's a there's a lot, and it. I I think me and Simon we we were talking about this over message and about how there's so much of her in it. Oh, yeah. her speaking through the characters, especially Neo. Um, but it never feels like, um, what's the word? Um, Is she didactic? Kind of like high horsey. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it okay, always yeah. feels, yeah, really genuine and kind of, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this point, but that's there, there you are. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think the feeling that I got sometimes with this was Lana going, okay, yeah, we've tried doing this with symbolism and imagery and you idiots just co-opted it into something else. So here you go. This is literally what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think more power to her for that. because. Yep, definitely. Yeah, it's. I said this kind of in my review where it's kind of it's great blockbuster fanfare if you just if that's what you want it to be, fair enough. But if you want to think about it deeper, it really is more contemplative and a lot more deep than yep. that. Yeah. Okie dokie. 
Well, that is the Matrix Resurrections. Moving on to uh, the Boxing Day release, uh, and that is The King's Man, which is the prequel to the, the Kingsman series, which we have had, uh, obviously, Kingsman The Secret Service and Kingsman The Golden Circle, uh, starring Ray Fiennes, uh, Gemma Arterton, um, Jimon Honsu, uh, amongst others. Um, in the main roles, um, and it essentially <clears throat> is a an origin story for the uh, the Kingsman, um, uh, you know, organization and how it was in, incepted, and uh, it's set during World War One as well. So, how how do we feel about this film, guys? Uh, you know what, Simon, you kick it off because. I, uh... <laughs> Okay, so, <sighs> right. The way I feel about the Kingsman films is that we have <coughs> been kind of getting diminishing returns each time. I think that The Secret Service was just such a surprise um, for how just fun and frenetic it was. And it wanted to kind of have its cake and eat it with regards to kind of making a bit of a postmodern spy movie. Um, but it was a film that kind of ended on a bum note, shall we say. Um, with The Golden Circle, I just kind of felt like so much of it was unnecessary. Well, I just felt like they didn't really know what they were doing for a sequel and just kind of threw everything at it. And it just felt like we were kind of setting this up to be a franchise, but we didn't really know what to, what to do. So here's this thing, which just feels entirely superfluous and unnecessary. And again, some stuff which was a bit gross, uh, especially in terms of its gender politics. Um, So with The King's Man, one thing I will say in its favour is that it seems to have figured that side of things out a little bit. Unfortunately, (laughs) it's gone in a slightly different direction in terms of its skeeviness. Um, So I think that... I I kind of had a general issue with films that are kind of high concept, silly, fun, dipping into real world horrific <laughs> atrocities of horror and human tragedy. I think, you know, uh, the Transformers films did it with uh, Chernobyl, among other things. And there are other examples of this happening as well. And then you have The Kingsman, which not only gets across the pointlessness of World War One with a cool silent knife fight. But also just at, well, there is a moment uh, in the mid credit sequence where I just thought, oh for heaven's sake. <laughs> um it's otherwise, I mean, if you want a Kingsman film, if you want the sharp suits and the camera going all over the place while people fight hand to hand with some occasional gunfighting in there fair enough uh if you don't know who the ringleader is of the whole evil axis of evil thing of which um rasputin uh Reese fans rasputin is involved then you're not paying attention and i just <laughs> like come on really uh but Ray Fine seems to be having a nice time, and Gemma Arterton's always great. So there you go, some positives. 
few positives, but not not great overall. No. How about you, Charlotte? Yeah, I'm conflicted. I, I think I'm still confused by this film, to be honest. And Simon kind of touched upon why in terms of the blending the real history with this fictionalised take. But I think for me, the biggest problem is the tone of these films has continued to not make sense and to make less sense each time. Because I've said before, like, I know I've said a lot about the idea of you can't just have a film that's entirely dark, you have the light and the shade. But these films are both really bleak and yet silly in a way that doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't quite add up. When you really think about them, there is no hope in any of these films, not to spoil one and two that much. But like things happen in them that are monumental, both in terms of to our characters and external events Mm. to a group of people. And it's just like, oh, what is the point? (laughs) (laughs) and i really struggled with this one and i i i had a moment not to spoil it specifically but there was a moment where a character did a thing to another character and i was like no time out this isn't and i kind of did check out and it's a shame you think you've guessed it (laughs) interesting that you say that because i was going to mention it in the same kind of ambiguous way uh, when I was talk, when I was going to talk about it, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Can we, after what? the podcast, check in on what this was? Because for the life <laughs> of me, I can't remember what it what this would be. Wait, can I? Can I? I'll, I could say who it was between. Okay. Was yeah. it was it between Oxford and Rasputin by any chance? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I went from I really remember vividly the feeling of being like fairly on board, if skeptical, to like n- no, why, why. And it's a shame because there is some stuff in there that's quite good. But mainly, I'd say it's that whole thing of what happens when a bad film happens to good actors. Because that's <laughs> an insane cast who were doing great cast, really yeah. well with mediocre material. Okay, hang on, mediocre material is harsh because there is some stuff in there that's good. It just, I don't know, it didn't did not work for me. Yeah. Um. I think I can kind of, after thinking about it for a while, like when I first came out of it, I wasn't kind of uh, untowards in any, in either direction, really. It was kind of very middling. And I think there was probably more stuff that I remember liking than disliking. Uh, And it's very obviously going to be one of those crowd pleaser films where general audiences will just love it. And they'll be like, right, when's the next one coming out? kind of thing and honestly like fair enough um but yeah it i think it does have its very clear issues that you've both gone into quite quite a lot but to just kind of um bring uh some of your points together where you know simon you were talking about the skeeviness uh showing through and i feel like that scene between oxford and rasputin was that skeeviness yeah. um and it just felt completely unnecessary and very kind of <clears throat> um you could tell the type of audience that it was trying to uh to present itself to oh yeah um, yeah because there's a bit of dialogue on the train that i thought i'd misconstrued and i was like no no i did hear that properly oh what the fuck yeah um so 
not a fan of that at all, which is really such a shame because the sequence that follows it in that same room yeah. is really like the best scene in the film. <laughs> If I'm being honest, like it's yeah, so yeah. good. It's so incredibly choreographed, as is all the action in Kingsman. Always has been and probably always will be until they stop making Kingsman films. That is always <laughs> great. Um, there was, speaking of that best sequence in the film, I did look at my watch at that moment and go, oh my God, there's an hour left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is that same thing. Yeah. Um, it was so different and fun. And then the ending of that scene was also brilliant too. It, it was it was really good and it's just weird that it was kind of uh headed headed by that <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I didn't, in the operative well yeah <laughs> i didn't quite mind the um <laughs> the 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 incorporation of of world war 1 I. I completely get your point on it you know trying to add silliness to something that was horrible and you know, it, it something that definitely shouldn't be trivialized in any kind of way. Um I have a I have a question on on that, on the trivialization of history. Yes. Um that post credits Oh is, yeah, so is that leading do, anywhere, do you think, or is that just a punchline? So this so this is uh, I left the screening before um that came up, um because I don't know why, actually. I just didn't expect the King's Man to have a, a, a mid credit scene, to be honest. Um, but I read upon what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, of of course, a thousand percent is teasing a sequel. Obviously it is. It has to. No way it's not. Which means that then, in effect, it is now going to trivialize, to realize, you know, the other... Um, Atrocity, yeah. Atrocity the of human history. Final sequence was gearing up for a sequel. There's actors who appear who didn't get a lot, and then you're like, "Oh, I've worked out why you've not got a lot now. You're getting yours later on." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you mean like Daniel Brühl? Yeah, and uh, Stanley Tucci and yeah. Aaron Johnson. Yes, yeah, of course. Ah, uh, you know what? I I got mega confused when Aaron Taylor Johnson came into it because I thought he'd already been in it. <laughs> like in the future. <laughs> yeah. um, no, 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 that was a temporal pincer movement. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like a descendant of uh <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so that proper confused me. Um that uh now I saw someone on Twitter say that apparently the um the trenches scene of Kingsman is better than uh the best world <laughs> the best war sequence they've seen in a film, and I was like do me a favor. Mm, no, I don't think so. But I will admit the thing that happens at the end of it was genuinely shocking and did I didn't see it coming. Mm. Um But yeah, no, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It's just fine. It's just fine. And it will probably be forgotten. Um and honestly, I'm probably just more excited to see Eggsy's story come to an end and then just forget about it for the rest of my life, to be honest. <laughs> I actually, I thought of one positive thing I want to say about the film. It was really lovely seeing Rafe Fiennes kind of having fun with a role. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing him, because he does lead to that blockbuster. He's so compelling. He's really good. He's such he a talented it, actor. Yeah, he gives it real emotional depth at times in all manner of ways. <laughs> Although he did make some. Apart noise. from that scene. <laughs> 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 
did make some noises in that scene, and I was like, oh, <laughs> Voldemort's coming back up. Voldemort's coming back up. <laughs> It was like, oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, no, he is properly, truly brilliant. I absolutely adore him. I think he's <laughs> such a great actor. Um, but yeah, no. I'm sorry. I'm just... That's got me. So I, I don't want to. Also, I, I have to give it to Reese Evans as well because he, he looked like he was having a, a ball as well. Um, a bit, maybe a bit too much in, in that scene, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> and the other one. The way you get that bake well tart. <laughs> I mean, oh, because I always think that when they eat and drink in films, like you've had to shoot that repeatedly. Oh yeah. Do you think the, I, uh... I feel sorry for the hair and makeup people who had to take the crumbs out of his beard every time. <laughs> Do you think the bit that happens after that was uh, because of the continuity editors coming in? Going, <laughs> You're gonna have to eat another one. Or... <laughs> Probably. He wasn't actually meant to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Improv. Well, there we are. I think that that's kind of a nice place to lie um, on it. Oh. I, I question though, because I've mentioned it. Do, are you excited for Kingsman Three? Is that definitely a thing? It is. Yeah, I know that. Um, he had uh, Matthew Vaughn has confirmed that Kingsman Three will end. Eggsy's story because obviously you know Taron Egerton's too busy for for the franchise now, isn't he? He's a singing gorilla now. He's a singing gorilla. Yeah. Oh my god! Don't most anticipated oh, movie of twenty twenty two. Are we gonna get? Uh, okay, well there's one spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. It just slipped out. It just slipped out. <laughs> so there's now there's nothing holding him back. <laughs> god, how many times have you seen that trailer? Oh, <sighs> so many. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um. Good stuff. Right, moving on. This is a film that I haven't seen yet, unfortunately, so I'm going to let you two take the reins on this one. I, it is... I haven't seen it either. Oh, you haven't? Charlotte, it's all down to you. Oh no, I've got to carry this. <laughs> it is PTA's latest uh, feature film, Soggy Bottom. Sorry, no, it's actually called Licorice Pizza now. Which is named after a record store, not a delicacy, as someone in my life went like Peter K sketch, like the garlic bread, but licorice pizza. <laughs> hey, that's cultural appropriation. <laughs> um, so in PTA's films, like with with this film, as with most of PTA's other films, there is a kind of mediation on love and how that can look in different ways and the form it can take in relationships and we interrupt the world around us. And I'm going to say I really, really liked this film with a couple of caveats. Um, I read an interpretation that has it that it's, um, oh my God, I'm struggling with names today. Philip Seymour Hoffman's son plays the lead role. I've forgotten his first name. Cooper Hoffman. Cooper, Cooper Hoffman. And Alana ha- Heim or Haim, I overthink these things. Heim. 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 <laughs> um, and then Alex just coming in. <laughs> and it's their uh, that both of respectively their first big role and they are charismatic wonders they are so captivating and compelling in their story bradley cooper is in it for a short spell but is just so good uh bringing comedy and a little bit of terror i will say my caveat is related to the discourse that does surround this film with the age gap 
where <laughs> she's 25, his character is 15. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait. I, I thought that he was... Oh, no, I didn't think it was that big. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. and I don't quite get it. I, I did then sort of think, oh, well, it was the 70s. It was a different time because we know of many, many, many stories where an age gap like that would be reflective of things that occurred. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm still not sure how I feel about that because it does play a part in their dynamics sometimes, not always. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I wanted because I didn't want to... It's weird. It was like I'm kind of waiting to see the film before I like... No, I'm not going to uh, take part in the discourse because it's just too exhausting, but um, mm. but to at least have a, an opinion on it. And I still haven't worked out what my opinion is. I'm not like it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, because it's relevant to the it... film. I think the film deals with it well. Mm. But I don't know why the film is dealing with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Um, but all in all, like it's a captivating, joyful look at how life could be utterly mortifying. Nice. Sounds interesting. So, um, I just, yeah, I'm gonna try and see it at the weekend. We'll see. We'll see what happens, and I can bring my thoughts on it. Likewise, I'll do my best because yeah, I'm super intrigued uh, by by all of it. Really. Yep. Exactly the same. Right. Moving on to number four. Um, and this was another kind of Boxing Day ish release. Uh, kind of between the um. I nearly, I nearly just called it the thing that me and my friends call it. Then, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, the the gap between Christmas and and New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think I just guessed what you were going to call it. Um, and that is Tatan. Now, uh, Simon, you have already spoke about this film on the podcast. I believe I have. a couple of times, in fact, a couple of times. Yes, of course, you talked about it last week because it was on your um top ten. Yeah, your top ten. Um. So, I guess it's uh, down to me and Charlotte to first take it away um, on our our thoughts on it. I Charlotte... haven't seen it. So it's... Oh, wait, you haven't seen it? Oh, so it's just me? <laughs> I'm getting so confused. There's just so many okay. films. I'm just like, cannot even comprehend. Right, okay, so it's just it's me. Film. Well, um, if you don't already know, um, I mean... You just don't even want to say anything about the plot, really. I think we can just... say what what the what the plot contains, and that might just be enough to suffice for people who might just be interested. Go on, Simon. You you do that then. Oh boy. Well, no, 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 no. I've talked about it at length. You should do. Yeah, that. no, no. But you just like you know, just a little, just a little brief overview. Oh, no, but you I'm, used I'm... the word insertion when you described it to me. That was enough. Insertion. Yeah, I suppose yeah. that's about right. Uh, anyway, so there's a girl <laughs> and um, story between a woman she... and her car. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, she's in a car crash uh, when she's quite young and so much so uh, so bad that she has to get a metal plate installed into her. I say installed like it's a fucking computer program. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, so she gets a metal plate in in her head, um, and she kind of through that gets like an a. Uh, an attunement to uh to metal and <laughs> to uh to cars in in particular um and that that is as probably about as far as we'll go on that i think yeah so on top of that there is mass murder 
Yes. A, a missing boy. And yeah. Dancing firefighters. Um God. What else? Steroids. Steroids. Um pregnancy. The Gen gender um critiquing. Gender critiquing. The main character from Raw. And um... Oh, is it, it so is it the same person? I don't think it's same the same actress. I don't think it's well. I think she has the same name. She has the same actress. Yeah. Um, oh, it's the same actress. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, and okay. and Interesting. Um, Interesting piercings. Let's just say. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. That's, okay. That's, that sequence. Um, <clears throat> so, funnily enough, Simon, I completely ignored your advice to not eat before watching this film. Oh god. I had a full-blown KFC. Oh no. Um, and I'm... yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, I have a stomach of metal. Well, I mean, watch out for okay. um... <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I realized what I've done there. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, oh this 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 film is basically just a meme at this point. Um, okay. Um, I really, really, really uh, enjoys the wrong word. Enjoy is the wrong word completely. Yeah. Um, it's great. It is a wonderful film. It is. Um, it's different. It's strange. It's weird. It's the the kind of filmmaking that. I think you know when when the the blockbuster discourse comes up this is the type of filmmaking that people are talking about wanting yeah um and it's actually in a different vein because it seems that actually a lot of people are talking about this maybe not like a a big general audience but still quite you know quite a few people which is is quite good um one thing I will say, which is disappointing, is that, well, I guess not disappointing, not necessarily surprising either, but just a shame, uh, is that it seems to have very little in terms of uh, recognition by the, the the bigger film bodies outside of France and Europe. It, yeah, it would seem so. Maybe it's... It's the old Marty McFly thing. Maybe it's a bit too much for you, but your kids are going to love it, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I think it does maybe... Um, there's an air of Hollywood isn't ready for that. Yeah. Quite, quite yet. Quite yet. Um, I'd love to see the, the English language version. Oh. I'm, I am saying this incredibly um, tongue-in-cheek. Just for yes, anyone listening no, and worried. But yeah, but yeah. But yeah, no. I, I just, there's just not really much further to say than than it is really brilliant. It is bold filmmaking, and Julia DeConu is uh, clearly just an an auteur of her time, and yep. it, it's just it is a really really phenomenal piece of filmmaking that left me and my friend as the last shot, um, because the last shot is quite um, it it's there for quite a while, and yep. me and my friend were just like. You just kind of stayed in silence for. Yeah, speaking of films with a punchline, to go back to the Kingsman, this is a film with a great punchline, and it is there, and it is that final <laughs> final shot. Yeah, it is quite something, and the weirdest origin story to the Cars universe I've ever seen. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, my last word on this, because I know that you'll want to crack on, uh, is that just to reiterate what I said in my top 10, uh, it just proves, if proof were needed, that Julia DeCorno is the next big thing in horror. She's just the best and most exciting voice out there right now. And although I've heard a lot about Raw, I still think, uh, and I, everything that I've heard about it has made me go, nope, that's not a film for me. I still think I want to go and seek it out and actually oh, watch you it. Should, you should absolutely go and watch, watch Raw. That's so hard to say quickly. Um, yeah, you should <laughs> definitely go and watch Raw. Watch Raw. Watch Raw. Watch Raw. Watch Raw. Bring that. Well, on that note, Charlotte, it is time. It is time for you to try and say the word that I've really overthought the past two minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you can you do it in the style of uh, Peter Cook in The Princess Bride? The Patron <laughs> is what brings us together. So thanks to our kind souls of subscribers, our top tier subscribers. We are able to commission pieces for Jump Cut Online and the Jump Cut magazine. So it's thanks to the kind souls whose name I'm about to read, our gangster squad of nice guys who help commission new writers and helps bring new voices to the forefront, much needed new voices. So the people I'd like to thank today are Chris Wilson, Ian on Films, Robert Denny, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meekin, Fabiana Rossus, Hamish Calvert, Manuel Bento, Joe Craig. We thank you forever and ever. <laughs> hey. <laughs> they are the only Run people the outside of Ryan Gosling that I trust to save jazz. Okay. Moving on. Um, next up, we're going to talk about. Um, the Lost Daughter, which I have not seen yet, even though it is on Netflix. I know. Slap me. Not, not good enough, I know. To my shame, me neither. I'm really sorry. So, Charlotte, take it away. I swear I start every single Jumpcast review with like a personal admission to explain my opinion before I do it. But, um, <laughs> so I don't know if I want children. <laughs> um, like, I don't know how I feel. It's a <laughs> but watching this film I was like oh it was like reverse Moses I was like nope thank you close the eyes <laughs> tight um... <laughs> because <laughs> this film is so good at what it it's articulating its voice Olivia Coleman is a woman on holiday Maybe happily, we don't quite tell. Is she someone who's known happiness? We don't know. Um, it's alluded to that she has two daughters. And that's about it, really. And over the course of the holiday, she gets quite obsessed with a family who's taken over the beach, the private beach she's been staying at. And her attention is really focused on one woman, uh, Dakota Johnson plays her, and her daughter. And we it's intercut with Olivia Coleman's character as a young woman, played by Jessie Buckley, as a young mother. And there are parallels drawn in terms of people wondering if they're meant to be mothers, what it means to be a mother, a parent. 
and it's a lot but it's it's like it's really well done a lot so when I say I, I when I talked about the kings when I talked about the lack of hope like needlessly so whereas this one is such a carefully tenderly Maggie Gyllenhaal directorial debut I want to say it's so well balanced masterfully so as she explores those themes so carefully um and not exploitative at all I enjoy it doesn't feel like the right word appreciate it feels pretentious but good film hmm. interesting yeah I, I am, it is on the list and it is high up there just because it is readily available to watch. So I'll get that watched as, as soon as possible for sure. Sounds, sounds good. And I love Olivia Coleman. So sign me up, obviously. Uh, right. Moving on uh, next up. And I believe this is a film that both me and Simon have spoken about on the podcast um, last year. Uh as it was a film that showed at London Film Festival. Ah, yes. Yeah. And that is The Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the first solo directorial outing for Joel Cohen. Indeed. Separating um, am- amicably from, um, from his brother. Yeah. Uh, to uh, direct a, a Shakespeare... But a short Shakespeare. Yep, he's done a Shakespeare, everyone. He's done a Shakespeare. <laughs> he's gone and done a Shakespeare. <laughs> um, and it's starring uh, some wonderfully talented um, players. Yep. Uh, Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, Harry Melling, Corey Hawkins, uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, Catherine Hunter, amongst others. Um, and yeah, have you seen this, Charlotte? I haven't yet. It was it New Year's Day it came out and it's going on Apple uh, TV yeah. on the fourteenth, I wanna say. Correct. That is completely correct, yeah. Um so maybe we'll we'll leave this quite short and sweet then until it comes out on Apple TV or until you get the chance to watch it, Charlotte. Okay. Um <clears throat> I don't know about you, Simon, but I loved it. I thought that it was really good. Um the acting is phenomenal and I feel like with Shakespeare that is really where the focus should lie um and i think the uh, black and white cinematography uh, very much helps lean into that as does the uh, set design i absolutely adore the set design in this movie um it's so big and vast and empty all of the sets are just it is just the actors because that is what um Joel Cohen wants you to focus on, and rightfully so. Um, it is just a really, really well-crafted movie. Uh, and uh, phenomenal that he's managed to do it in such a short runtime as well. Uh, and yeah, I think that's about it for me. I'd agree that it's a real impressive achievement. Um, I think, like you say, the, the, the set design is very sparse, and intentionally so. Um, where there are sets and you know there is a castle of course and there is um Dunsinane and Barnum Wood and everything else um but so much of it is it's kind of well I say kind of it's absolutely soaked in this German expressionism like just all these pointy edges and weird forced perspectives and everything else and it just looks so bleak like the blasted heath has never looked more blasted on screen I think until this one um and yeah, I think what Joel Cohen gets to the bottom of with this one, because, you know, there have been a fair few 
adaptations directly or indirectly of of, of Macbeth. Um, and I think what he really gets to the center of with this one is the horror of it all. Just the nightmare of a, a, you know, a kingdom going through a transitional period with wars and death and destruction with the you know the witches the weird sisters turning up uh with macbeth himself kind of a man kind of both blessed and cursed and it's it's yeah really fascinating and i think denzel washington gives a great performance i think francis mcdormand is fantastic but i would say that the real kudos de- de- is deservedly gone to Catherine hunter um she is so brilliant as the weird sisters and yeah i'm so excited for you to watch it charlotte and for us to properly discuss it um, but I think it's a success. I don't know if it will do much in terms of uh, anyone's attention, but I think it should because I think, yeah, it's a really good short and sweet and bare bones adaptation of a very fairly overdone play in terms of different adaptations. Yeah. So yeah, I think kudos. on that point as well, it's <clears throat> I feel like it's nice entry level Shakespeare as well in in a way. It doesn't overcomplicate things, and again, that's down to the the quite short run time and maybe like if it's kind of one of those things that could maybe be shown in schools and things like that as like an example of I think so. committed yeah. to film yeah i think so because yeah it doesn't overcomplicate. it doesn't um embellish too much to kind of um make it ultra violent or anything like that or yeah you know, it's it's very much a case of this is the text these are the actors this is the stage go and yeah, yep. it just rumps along. Yep, completely. Right, moving on. Uh, next up, this is a film I've seen, so I'm going to try and um, uh, reel this off as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, and this is um, A24 film. I think it originally showed in America on Showtime as like a kind of primetime feature-length thing. Um, so I don't know whether it's considered TV over there, but it has had a cinema release over here um, and a VOD release also. Uh, it's called The Humans. Um, it's based off the one-act play by Stephen Cramp. He comes in to direct and write the screenplay. Uh, it stars a pretty stacked cast. You've got uh, Stephen Yun, Beanie Feldstein, Amy Schumer, uh, Richard Jenkins, June Squibb. Um, and Jane Heichel. Um And The Humans is essentially, uh, it's set in a, a very dingy lower Manhattan apartment, um, which Beanie Feldstein and Stephen Young's character have moved in together. Um, and it's Thanksgiving and all of the family have gone round. It's three generations of this family. Um, and it is essentially, uh, you know how... <laughs> You know how family Christmas is. It's, you know, just a lot of talking, a lot of um, mulling over what has happened, what will happen, and all of that kind of stuff. And the existentialism of being human, um, except obviously it takes that to another level. Um, I'm a big fan of plays adapted into films. I really loved uh, One Night in Miami, um, The Father. I also really loved Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, and I think when these types of films really work, they do really work and they are really, really great. Um, and this is no different. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this. Um, it's so interesting. I think the um, 
it holds a, a nice nuance on the human experience. Um, and the acting is phenomenal. I don't often say this. I don't think I've actually ever said this, but Amy Schumer is really good <laughs> in this film. Um, as was everybody, especially Richard Jenkins, who, to be honest, is great in everything that he's in, but very much so this. Um, now, as with uh, plays adapted into films, uh, the the apartment is also its own character um, in such a wonderful way, and it, it's done incredibly well. The cinematography is brilliant. It's very claustrophobic. Um, the, like it is the, the the apartment is two floors. It's quite big, but it makes it feel so like infinitely small. Um, and I just think that's it's really really cleverly done. Um, and yeah, I, I I really really liked it. If you're not kind of into those kind of play to film adaptations, then you might not really it might not really be your thing. Um, but if you just <laughs> If you just want a group of people uh, mulling around an apartment for a couple of hours, uh, you know, chatting about, it's great. Great stuff. And there you are. So that is The Humans. Moving on <laughs> to the most watched film on Netflix ever. <laughs> Dead Notice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, this film could be called Red Notice, let's be honest. Mm. Oh, God, we're not wading into the discourse, are we? No, no, of course not. Twins, then. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost drowned in it the other week. Anyway, um, oh, boy. so yeah, uh, this is Don't Look Up, Adam McKay's latest um, really subtle satire. Really, really <laughs> subtle. <laughs> so subtle. Um, what did we think? Charlotte, do you want to go first on this one? Oh, okay. Right. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm glad this. there are people who enjoyed this film. Like, I'm glad this film means something to people, and especially on a topic so important. It is as subtle as being bludgeoned over the head. Um, and it has a knowingness that I, I felt... I kind of drowned in it was quite suffocating that kind of knowing superiority uh that I found quite frustrating. I then went back and rewatched the big short a couple of days later. I think I watched it like years eve when I couldn't sleep weirdly. And it's fascinating. I can't work out why the big short does it so well when Vice was so bad and Don't Look Up just isn't as good as the big short. I can't pinpoint exactly if it's the lack of surprise that the big short came out is it the rooted in something that was so familiar to us but hadn't really been explored before is it the balance of humor i don't know but this film the don't look up just didn't really work for me to be honest do you think it might be the subject maybe i definitely get be overwhelmed at like climate change and that kind of thing like i wouldn't choose to watch a film about that because it's interesting, isn't it? Like with the big shot, like you know that Wall Street's pretty skeezy, but there's like an air of it. it is serious, but it's not. It's not as serious as a vice president who was, you know, um, well, 
it, yeah, not as serious as him, as Dick Cheney and what he did, and not as serious as, you know, the world dying. Yeah, maybe I felt kind of overwhelmed by the concept and what the film was trying to say about that. I did quite like the sequence where Kate Blanchett is a news reporter, and that felt really scathing and quite an accurate reflection of certain news programmes. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm sure whatever you've said about this film, Charlotte, you will shortly be cancelled on Twitter. Um, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simon, how about you? <sighs> that, right. That's good enough, right? Okay, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a long fed-up sigh. I think... Right, so I watched this film on on Christmas Eve. In fact, uh, like late, 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 late on Christmas Eve because what a I just great way to ring in Christmas Day. Oh, oh my god! Like literally, we're talking early morning Christmas Day kind of thing. And Jesus H Christ! I so first of all, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> I I watched this for it's two and a half hours long, and it's a it's a comedy, self purported comedy from Adam McKay, who made Step Brothers and made Anchorman. It's not funny. Secondly, whatever point it's trying to make is being made to people who clearly already agree with Adam McKay because nobody else in their right mind would watch a two and a half hour film about people looking at an asteroid and going, oh, I don't think there is an asteroid. Let's not look at it to prove our point. Ha ha ha. Aren't we clever? The people who already think that's funny are the people already watching it. They don't need two and a half hours of being talked down to by someone who has much more wealth and resource to actually make a difference than the people who are watching this on a platform which is, to be honest, not exactly the good guy here. Um, I think any film that starts with a white woman rapping to be edgy and cool is not a great way to get an audience on board, but you know, stranger things have happened. Um, I think that it's just Utterly baffling, genuinely, that it's gotten the rabid fan base that it has. I mean, to be honest, in this day and age, nothing surprising, is it? But it's just whatever point Adam McKay is trying to make. Like in the Big Short, the way it, the the re, like I thought that that kind of snarky, condescending tone kind of worked because it's almost like the characters themselves are talking down to the audience because they're these. Oh, very important, like Wall Street traders. Oh, look at us, we're so clever. Oh, you don't know what negative equity is? Oh, you poor thing. Let me explain it to you. Oh, you don't understand it. Oh, here's a celebrity and a bath. Oh, do you think do you think about it now? Yeah, I feel better. And I thought that worked. Like that's fine. Because that's the whole point, is that these people thought they were better than you and they ended up on their backside broke. Like, cool. Uh, or richer than ever. So yeah, that's the way of things. But when you've got a, a story and a plot which is so so obviously this is a bad thing we should do it and then loads of people going oh no the bad thing's really bad with probably the worst performance ever from Jonah Hill in about 20 odd years it's just awful I just there's nothing there's no redeeming quality here I tried I tried to think about it I tried to appreciate the positive I've had conversations with people in real life who have been 
trying to say, you know, trying you know, very positive about this film and, you know, more power to them. I think, you know, if someone enjoys it, then great. I just abhorred it. I did not like this one iota. And I think the ultimate just fed up of this level that I'm at is that we're now at a point where climate scientists who clearly have something very different that they're looking for in a film about this kind of thing than, I don't know, people who want to watch a film are saying that those who don't like Don't Look Up are part of the problem and the ones who would be looking down. To that I say, well, okay, can't can't say it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just become a whole thing which is just beyond its own self-parody and I'm sick of it, just sick of it. Even Simon's cat is done. Yeah, literally, Nando the cat. Nando is done. Yeah, yeah, I know. Mm. We're all we're all fed up of it. Uh, you've put it you've put it pretty well. How I feel about it, to be honest. Um, I think it would be um, unfaithful for me to say that I didn't laugh at some bits of it. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think it's funny, per se. Um, Again, it's as, about as subtle as being hit over the head with a comically large mallet that says satire on it in big red bold letters. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's just... And then it just comes down to that thing like you, that you were saying, Simon, about people are being called... Like, I, I on, on Twitter, I got called an ignorant snob for not liking it. <laughs> so, you know, it's wow. just... It's got down to kind of that kind of stuff, and it's like, I am a person who is very aware of climate change, is very anxious about it, and I just don't think this kind of thing helps. It doesn't bring anything to the conversation. Um, you know, like like you said, Simon, the people who do care already do care, and it's not going to change their minds. Um, it's only going to alienate the people who um who it's trying to who who the film is leaning into. It's only going to alienate them more. I think. Um and I mean the rich people, the you know, the big politicians and all that kind of stuff, they're not even gonna watch it. Exactly. So it's yeah, it's all just a naff. It's all just a bit naff. It's a bit stupid. It's a bit rubbish. Just yeah, meh. There is one I've, thing. Oh sorry, Charlotte, go ahead. I've got one big question. You said Simon that uh, uh, something about the money being spent and I looked up the budget of the film, right? And the film's budget is supposedly, apparently, rumoured to be $75 million. But then, apparently, DiCaprio got paid $30 million and Jennifer Lawrence got paid $25 million. Okay. So, where's <laughs> the rest of the money going? That means but $20 million to then have everything else that happens in that film and that cast mm. doesn't add up. No, it certainly doesn't. It's, it, it was all money gone on the CGI for the asteroid and the uh, final sequence in the film. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also saw a tweet that was like, you know that scene in the in the uh, shopping mall where Timothy Chalamet says that he likes potatoes or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, that was improvised, and they were acting <gasps> so impressed about it, and I was like, oh, wow! Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That's the just... best performance in a film I've seen ever. <laughs> One thing I will say to the uh, to to Adam McKay's merit regarding "Don't Look Up" is that someone on Twitter asked him what material changes we can make 
to prevent the catastrophes that he's prophesying in this. And he just went, just do the best you can. I don't know. <laughs> like, Adam, you have made a se- apparently $75 million two and a half hour Netflix film going, oh, isn't this a problem? And you have no answers. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for listening to Jumpcast, guys. It's been great. <laughs> privilege being being host um <laughs> and i'll see you sometime in the future somewhere anyway uh, no um i worried about will... wading into the discourse and i feel like you really have and you've not gonna... just weighed you have um fully, <laughs> fully submerged there's a triple uh, somersault lateral spin dive into the Oh my goodness, I've just found the best review of this film on Google Reviews. I'm going to send you in the group chat. I'm not going to say any more about it. Um, Oh yeah. If anyone wants to message me for me to send them this review, because oh my god, this is brilliant. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and the water in the pool is gone, Simon, because of climate change. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, To uh, the big New Year's Day release. Um, of 2022, my first film of the year, actually, as well, um, and that is the Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. So before we get into it, who has who's watched this and who hasn't watched this? Yep, I've not, but I do okay. have a couple of cats with me. If that's any qualifying, that I mean, it kind of works. Were they in the film? <laughs> well, I mean, they're not the most photogenic of cats. I'm kidding. They're lovely. Oh, one is purring yeah. into the microphone as we speak. So apologies. Oh, it's great. It's just great little um ASMR, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> ASMR ambience. Um, Charlotte, what what did you think of the electrical life of Louis Wayne then? I thought I was going in to see like a quirky period drama. And it, it's actually something way more weighted and profound than that. While still charming, um, I cried lots and lots and lots and I was wearing my face mask and I kinda like accidentally waterboarded myself at one point because there's stuff in there that is really sad um and there's a piece of dialogue that i'm gonna think about for a very long time how it's delivered and how it says so much with just one matter of fact like five words i think and it's so profound i think it might be like my quote of the year i'll be surprised if i forget this line at the end of the year we can do a little pop quiz and see if i remember the line um Louis Wayne had a very sad life. I, I don't feel like I'm spoiling it too much. No, no, because that's in the trailer. I know, I I know what you mean. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Um, but there's so much heart and love in this film. Uh, directed by Will Sharp, who I don't think he's done too much previously. Don't think that's. Um, but it's so skillfully done. The tone of this film and how it covers quite an extended period yep. uh, and great cats great cats Mm-mm. really great cats yep um, again quite similarly to you Charlotte I went in expecting a very fun bubbly overly eccentric uh, quirky piece of cinema and came out uh, more depressed than I have ever been <laughs> um but kind of in a really good way. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely love this uh, this film. Benedict Cumberbatch is at his pure best. Um, I think he does a really, really great job as Louis Wayne. Um, 
I love the aspect ratio. I love that it's all just kind of squashed in. Um, and it just makes it, yeah, it just makes, it's just really, really cool in that sense. Um, I thought Claire Foy was great. I thought all of his, um, all of his sisters were, were wonderful as well. Uh, Toby Jones w- was great too. Um, it, even though the events of the movie are so desperately sad for the most part, uh, the film still ends up uh, being quite life affirming um, mm. in a very, very lovely way and a very interesting way. Um, and I also now, I just, I found myself going on to Etsy like, oh, could I get some Louis Wayne prints? <laughs> um, because they're just so cool. They're just lovely, lovely things um, and really great paintings and illustrations and drawings um and i also thought the film was genuinely funny as well like, it really was mm. funny uh, there was one moment um and i won't spoil it completely but uh it's seen in a, a swimming baths um where i just absolutely I, I mean there was about five people in my screening <laughs> or six people and i just burst out laughing and i was like oh god i better rein it in because <laughs> but it was just so funny and obviously I can't explain it, but if you see the film, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, no, I just really, really, really enjoyed it and thought it was really great. I'm so excited to see it. I really am. I think like, I've seen it posted everywhere. One of my friends um, works for the company publicizing it and they did an event which was in a cat cafe where they had to draw cats. Oh my gosh. And yes. I, they, I got pictures from it and it just looked like the most wonderful thing. And yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's another thing. Obviously, on on the topic of the cats, um, I mean, Hollywood has very often villainized cats, as it has probably. You know, there's just as many films where they, you know, they got, but you know, they're they're often shown in a very negative light. And this film is, well, even Nando knows. <laughs> they... Oh God, he's still here. I've I've been trying my hardest to try and like. No, it's great. It's a it's 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 the it is the review that we wanted. (laughs) Nando, what did you think of the electrical life of Louis Wayne? Did you like it? There we are. There we go. We used to do uh, pet screenings, like bring your dog along. Oh my god! (laughs) I'd love that if they'd like a cat one. I don't know how a cat cat Louis Wayne. (laughs) Yeah, no, but this yeah this film shows cats in such a positive light and there's just so many beautiful cats. <laughs> uh, I found that the, the, the first like proper bit with an actual cat in it, I uh, the shot came up on the screen and I, I burst into tears. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it was very overwhelming. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good stuff. Really, really great I, stuff. I and didn't great... realise there was a time where cats weren't pets. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Because neither did I, actually. And this film kind of goes into that a little bit. I haven't verified this fact, though. I'm relying on the film to be <laughs> true. It, yeah. it may, may have over-exaggerated, potentially. But um, but no, great all the same. Um, and a great way to start the year. Um, a, nice, a nice high bar, which we love. So there we are. That's it. We've got through them. So all of the films. films. Oh yeah. God. Whoa. How have we done that? Um, well, very quickly before we go, because it is a new year, we wanted to run through 
our most anticipated films of 2022. Yeah. So we've all picked three each. Who wants to go first? Charlotte, after you. Okay. Um, so my three. Uh, maybe I'll say who all three, then I might do four too. Uh, Nightmare Alley, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and The Lost City. Excellent choices. Nice, very good choices. Yep. I'm so excited for The Lost City. Just so excited. It's just, I think those three films combined are my personality. I don't know quite what that <laughs> says about me. I'm looking at that list and like, yeah, that's you, like. <laughs> that's you. <laughs> oh that's brilliant right Simon how about you okay so I narrowed it down to three which was rough Um, because there are so many good films due to come oh my god but I've gone for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent because of course Mm -hmm. Jackass Forever because of course and The Northman because of course very good very good Complete very acceptable choices, I'm sorry. I'm very intrigued about Jackass Forever over anything, I think. I'm just I, I just want it to be great. I just want to get in there and watch watch the gang just hurting themselves again. I mean, I just personally want it to be an hour and a half um uh documentary on uh, the restraining order that they had to buy <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, no, just sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh wow. Uh, anyway, my three most anticipated movies of the year, probably the more obvious ones I suppose, but um Don't worry, darling. Yep. We've been okay. made to wait way too long for this film. Um and we have to wait much longer. Uh Knives Out Two Electric Boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> The official title. <laughs> Yes, um, and everything, ev- everything, everywhere, all at once, turning red at the same time. <laughs> uh, no, I'll go for everything, everywhere, all at once because I really, really did enjoy Swissami Man, and I'm very excited to see what they are um, concocting up next. Hell yeah! If we no, are, doing, if we are oh, doing a fourth, Babylon, Damien, Damien Chazelle. Oh, okay, yeah, fair. Go on, Charlotte. You can put a quick one in. Uh, the new Scorsese. Yes, Brendan Renaissance, the Renaissance. <laughs> well, there you have it. We've kicked the year off quite formally here on, uh, or informally, I suppose. Either way, you see it on Jumpcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. As always, um, we have an absolutely great time doing it, and we hope that you have an equally great time listening to it. Uh, thank you again to Charlotte. Thank you. And Simon. Just look up. And Nando. She's gone, I'm sorry. Oh, god she's, damn it. She stayed for she the cat like, film. One time. <laughs> she stayed for the cat film review and then did a runner. And then went away. That's fair enough. I understand. She, uh, she, they have taste. They have taste. <laughs> um, and goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week with, I believe, uh, a review of the 355. Hell yeah. Ooh. Who's going to run this town tonight? <laughs> Um, and I can't quite remember off the top of my head what else. Maybe me and point. Simon. What was that? Boiling Point. That is also a film that's coming out, yeah. Um, and then maybe me and Simon's little tidbits on licorice pizza and whatever else there is. I will do my utmost to try and find it. And we will um, 
yeah, we'll be back to all the news and trailers and everything back to normal next week. So we do hope that you come back and listen. Thank you very much for listening and good night, morning, whatever time you're listening to this. Goodbye. Bye.